the right move. The Property Podcast with Andrew Simmons and JP. Here he is, here he is, friend of the dog show, Scourge of the NetWest Group. Simo! Don't get me started on NatWest. Anyway, we're not here for NatWest today. We really aren't. No, no, don't get me going on that <laughs> bloody company. Okay. You know what? We need to move swiftly on from that, no, JP. <laughs> nothing to see here, people. Nothing to see. Let's, uh, all right, let's cut to the chase then. Stacks of people, Simo, absolute stacks, are feeling the bite, the pinch of fuel, energy, food prices, the whole shebang. And our key focus in this episode will be mortgages and finance. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I can't even put fuel in the boat at the minute. So, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's all uh, it's all pinching hard. Um, so, no, it uh, it is. And uh, yeah, really... Um, looking forward to to our guest you know sam today good friend of mine sam who's a, a mortgage advisor well he's a financial advisor in fact i give him his his credit and uh, you know we're really lucky to have sam because he debuted on uh, the bbc the other day a good good old interview that i uh, i saw him have with uh, my my old friend john darvel yeah JD. i was and, hopefully many more for sam to come he's uh, he's getting his name out there yeah he's getting in that hot seat like you say alongside john darvel the famous john darvel of bbc radio bristol so i think sam's looking to emulate your position as media kingpin when it comes to anything to do with uh, with property certainly the financial side looking forward to that well, that's going to be indeed great. and i'm and i'm sporting the good old uh, as i sit here tonight the good old jd floral shirt so uh, you know homage to john darvel so the Right Move podcast is also all over this story. It will be quite soon. Um, that's broken as we record this podcast today about Zupa. So, I mean, just briefly, this this isn't looking good, is it? No, thirty rolls from its uh, eight hundred and fifty strong workforce being cut. Mm. JP, yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll have a chat about that in a minute as well. Yeah, we'll pick that apart. And uh, and also a new angle on second homes come holiday homes. Now this is something we have dived into. We've we've sort of sampled this before. Uh, we're going to get the reaction of uh, the MD of a long-standing, really successful and high-profile holiday let business. Uh, I think based in York. They cover Whitby. They've got. Uh, a number of really good properties in Whitby, Shoreline Whitby. Um, so it's interesting because it ties into the council. But you know, again, we'll, we'll kind of we'll take a leap into this uh, in a bit. The second half things because it's just one of those stories that's going to roll. Yeah, definitely. And and do you know what? I don't think you know, it might be Whitby now, but I don't think it's. Um, you know, it might be other places as well. I was talking to somebody, landlord client of mine recently as well about um, parts of Wales possibly mm. looking at. Um, at this and and squeezing people on their council tax as well <laughs> just for a change you're with the right move subscribe to us now on all major podcast apps we've said it before we have said this before simo you're very big on the uh, community how was the dog show well yeah really really great show do you know it's interesting isn't it because um community's really big as you as you know and, and our listeners know on um on my agenda uh, and we had alan on from from round table didn't we um last uh, episode and uh, yeah we 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 ran a dog show for the jubilee in uh, in backwell north somerset and uh, which started off really as a inquiry from the parish council that said would you like to be involved 
with supporting a dog show and i thought naively well yeah that's fine you know i'll stick the logo on a few flyers and uh, you know a couple of flags up at the event but but no it turned into organizing a dog show so backwell parish council you got me uh, but it was successful yeah. and uh, i'll be honest i didn't expect the number of dogs that arrived we were slightly inundated with a hundred entries oh, wow. for this dog show. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, we got to the point where, you know, application forms for entry, well, they just went out the window, didn't they? And uh, we uh, we just let anybody on into the ring each time there was a particular point to be judged. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, we had uh, my friend Claire as a judge as well. You d you um, did because I've mentioned this to, to yeah. her. We we spoke on the phone fairly recently, and uh, and she said she had a great time. And because because you did the whole kind of fun categories thing, didn't you as well? So you're not trying to match or emulate Cruff. There's like waggiest tail, I think. Yeah, we had the waggiest tail. We had the dog that most looked like its owner. We <laughs> had uh, most handsome fella and loveliest yeah. lady uh so we had a, a yeah it, i mean it's all a bit of fun just for the jubilee nothing serious and uh you know uh if anybody came to that dog show wanting something serious well they they were sorely uh let down but you know it was great because i i i got some uh really nice uh sustainable wooden plaques as the uh, trophies mm. you know burnt with like sort of burnt etching on them and everything else really nice and we gave those out and and bless her harriet my daughter she was stood at the exit of the pen uh, giving everybody as they came through a rosette uh you know we were oh, absolutely nice. inundated yeah. um so we got rid of a load of rosettes we got rid of a few plaques but interestingly we took our little dog to another dog show and, and we won we won a prize but the prize wasn't a nice it wasn't a nice sustainable right. uh timber plaque with sort of uh burnt etching on uh, like i produced it was a roll of dog poo bags uh, okay what well, so, mitigation were they were they scented they were biodegradable <laughs> um i'm not sure how scented they were uh but <laughs> very it, you know, it was it was it was the thought that came. Yeah. So, um, but you know, it, the dog show was great. Claire yeah. was yeah. brilliant. You know, Claire came and, as I said, she she got involved, mm. and uh, it was nice to have somebody a bit distant from it doing the judging. Of, of course, yeah, yeah, impartial. Uh, I I don't think that dog poo bags are to be sniffed at. Well, not literally either. <laughs> Can I ask, were you permitted under the the rules and protocol to put your own dog into your own? dog show or would that oh, not clearly have, she'd not have worked. she'd have won every category apart from the male um yeah. most loveliest fella or whatever it was a handsome fella uh but no i chose not to although she came along and she was very much the star of the show okay. um but uh <laughs> it was a bit of a fun day and yeah. uh everything was lovely until the rain came when we had to pack up Okay. Well, yeah, excellent. More community stuff. Uh, okay, well, thank you for that. And it's not going to be long at all until um, we hear what one uh, very long-standing and prestigious business uh, thinks of this uh, decision, this vote, which I, I believe I'm right in saying isn't at the moment legally binding by Whitby Council. So we're going to look at that and hear from uh, that business who are on one side of the argument. So on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify and Audible, uh, this is The Right Move, the property podcast. Now, Simo, 
mortgages never an easy subject um and unless it's something that you know as an investor whatever you're very accustomed to but particularly first time on the ladder this dovetails uh into uh, an article that that we've been looking at about first time buyers and mortgages and stuff and we're going to run a chat shortly with somebody you know who day in day out deals in mortgages and finance so uh, you know we're hoping that that's going to be really helpful yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, this, in, from my perspective as a surveyor and a state agent, um, there is this potential zero deposit first time by a mortgage mm. um, being touted. And they're, they're touting it as, an, as a help to buy alternative. Question marks over, is it good, too good to be true and things like that? But I think we've got to be very, very, very careful when it comes to mortgages. Look at all the issue we had 2008 with subprime everybody was was in this situation where there were zero deposit in fact you were getting mortgages that were potentially because the market was going so strong and great guns lenders were prepared to offer 110% mortgages or you know 120% i think if i'm right in saying back then uh, but you know they were prepared to go that extra mile because the market was going so fast it didn't really bother them problem now is that i'm sensing a little bit of a, a cooling in the market and it's starting to cool at the higher value properties admittedly mm. generally what happens is that then starts to filter down through yeah. the mid-range and the lower mm -hmm. range properties talking to people and i've only been talking to people today on this actually who are experienced estate agents and who are experienced property professionals and who are likening this to potentially a reoccurrence of 1988. Now, obviously, we don't want that to happen because a, a market crash will be catastrophic for a, a lot of people. And I don't think that will happen personally. Don't think that, but you know, I don't have a crystal ball. But I think it's very dangerous for a lender to be offering a 100% mortgage at the moment because I do genuinely feel that we've got the risk of subprime happening again mm -hmm. and and what happened with subprime is that it caused the banks to have to be bailed out and caused huge huge problems and it was it just it was a knock-on effect to the economy and at the moment as we said right at the beginning of the show we're in the the, the moment where costs are rising all the time. I mean, Faisal Islam yesterday on um, BBC News was talking about, um, you know, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I actually can see that, you know, all joking aside, people putting fuel in the vehicles um, and trying to get out there, even electric vehicles now that are costing the price of electricity going up, costing a fortune to fill up as well you know it's all going to have a knock-on effect the government and the banks or the bank of england specifically they need to get this uh escalating inflation under control um because we will see property as being a uh, an area for very much um you know the focus because they're the big it's the big ticket yeah you know property people won't change their car so much people won't you know all of these things it's it's the bigger ticket items that will suffer i'll vote for you put it that way <laughs> you're a raving you, loony you've won, um, <laughs> you've won me over yeah the community dog show party <laughs> yeah. well okay well I, th I think that's that's a, a, a nice bit of context a, a setup to a man our expert today let's hear that conversation let's hear from sam
My name is Samuel G. I'm director at Manning G Investments in Bristol. We're uh, independent financial advisors and mortgage brokers. Uh, Sam, uh, excellent to have you on the podcast. Thanks for, for carving out some time. Now, how is business at the moment for you guys? Business is going really well. John, thank you. There's there's a there's a lot on. So much happening on the property side. Um, there's lots uh, lots happening in the market. I mean, the market's obviously been crazy since the start of COVID, and we're not seeing the end of that yet. What we are seeing is complications with lending really starting to come in now. But um, but yeah, overall everything's fine. You know, you're right at the sharp end of the house buying process, Sam. Um, and as part and parcel of the biggest purchase of someone's life you must really surely feel under pressure sometimes. Uh, absolutely. Everybody seems to rely on us for the whole package. Um, but ultimately, what we're doing is we're getting the lending to help people uh, reach what they want. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it's definitely complicated. There's so many different so many different cogs in that wheels from agents to solicitors to lenders, uh, to us as brokers, to valuers and everything. And, and our job is really, uh, or part of our job is trying to keep all of that together and make it work. And, you know, to be fair, having all of those things together, it doesn't always work as people expect. <laughs> no. Do you say that for the the the, uh, the most part that technology uh, uh, means that the communication between the parties that are involved has has largely got better do you think is it is it a a, a smoother transaction for for most of the time uh you would think that would be the case and i think in general that there are definitely improvements i mean i've worked in financial services for about 25 years um and financial services is one of those uh one of those industries where you think technology would really come into things and you know in terms of lenders some lenders are very advanced technologically and some aren't um i mean some lenders want us to send send documents by email um some lenders have portals that we can we can send links to it's a mix mm -hmm. so yes there are there are you know elements of that that work really really well and there are still elements that are really clunky I thought you were going to say some like to send a pigeon, Sam. <laughs> uh, to, to be honest, that would be better than, than some things that we deal with. You mentioned complications. What are those complications? So people have their expectations managed. Realistically, for us, there's a there's a number of complications around the whole lending process at the moment. Um, prices are so high. Um, you know, they're the highest prices that they've ever been, which you would expect that with inflation, you know, going over time, but. House prices, as everybody knows, are so far ahead of where generally people's salaries and incomes are that to get on the property ladder is a real effort. And I can remember even sort of five years ago doing a first time buyer purchase for, for a property in Bristol where the, the couple earned around £70,000 between them. And that was for a first time buyer house. And there aren't many people in that sort of position. So that's, I would say that's the very first point. Um, <clears throat> we've also had time where interest rates have been incredibly low. And, you know, there have been times recently where we've done mortgages at just over 1% interest, which is great. And it means people can have, you know, they can have a very decent house at uh, a, a very low interest cost. But the reality of that is actually how long is that going to remain affordable? And lenders are really tightening up their criteria and looking at how, you know, what, what effect 
the interest rate rises that we've already started to see are going to have, um, uh, you know, over the over the coming months and, and obviously years. Uh, and they're definitely factoring that into the, their lending. And they're also being a bit more um, uh, a bit uh, a bit more small c conservative with um, with how they're how they're viewing that. I think at at, uh, at this point. So we're you know we we have people on on decent salaries that just can't afford to get a mortgage on a very standard first-time buyer property. And I guess maybe one of the factors that, that can muddy the water somewhat is there's, there's this load of public-facing information out there you know, that's from the net, that's from TV shows around property, buying it, selling it, doing it up, investing it, all that sort of stuff. Do, do potential buyers make that mistake, Sam, these days of thinking that they know more than they actually do it, to be honest, John, that's not the experience that we're, we're having in the main. Um, a, a lot of the, the clients that we've got are coming to us for, for real help around those things as to, you know, what should they do? How should they do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're certainly not finding that people are sort of, you know, well ahead of us in terms of what they think mm-hmm. is, is correct. So that's that's not being too bad. But, you know, uh, f- social media is flooded, isn't it, with, mm-hmm. um, you know, property gurus and things like that some of which you know uh, may be all, all well and good and some of which might be a bit more spurious but you know that that's fine um, in itself <clears throat> but yeah I, I think ultimately I mean what what people generally want is their home and they're renting for you know what's currently high prices they know that they can get a mortgage for a similar monthly cost and therefore why wouldn't a lender lend to them mm-hmm. and the reality is a 25-year commitment is very different to a six-month tenancy. Um, and so, you know, the, the lender views are, are different, but, of course, clients don't always see that. Just for a minute, let's let's go back to first-time buyers. Are you seeing more of the bank of mum and dad scenarios because it's so tough to get on the ladder? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there's no doubt that that's been, been the case, uh, you know, over many years to be honest it's not just recent but i think more and more now that has to happen and what we're seeing these days is is lenders coming out with specific products to help people in that position the real difficulty that that i've got with some of those things is is that it's almost encouraging people on low incomes to borrow amounts which the lender would see unaffordable on their own but if you add mum or dad or both to the application, which lenders are happy mm-hmm. with, and it doesn't mean that they have the mum or dad has to own the property either. But if you add mum and dad to the application, it can hugely increase the borrowing. Mm. But the reality of that is, is that yes, okay, it might be similar to what the rent they're paying at the moment, but we're 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 looking at rates even in that scenario around two and a half. Well, of course, if those rates double that's a huge increase on monthly payments sometime down the line, which people, you know, people obviously hope isn't going to happen, but the reality is it probably will. Uh, we cover affordability in great detail. We have to do that from, from a regulatory point of view on our side. Um, the regulator, you know, demands us to do that because we have to be sure that our advice is, is absolutely concrete for those people that are possibly taking on their first and biggest liability you know there are lenders that will do different things in terms of affordability some will be very cautious some are much more adventurous and um, of course the adventurous lenders are the ones where the uh, the clients are, are paying for that through an interest rate um, so even then it's a catch-22 because the more you you might want to borrow more but the cost of that is also more and affordability then just comes into such a significant factor Mm. that even now 
if they can get a mortgage at 2%, we're looking at affordability at what is the lender's standard variable, which is often around 5%. And can they realistically afford that when their rate ends, when their fixed rate ends? So with buy to let, how's the market and you know the appetite for lenders? There are generally no real issues with that side of things at all. It's quite easy to get buy to let lending provided the uh, the landlord has the deposit to put in. And of course, at the moment, we are seeing, you know, particularly in, in uh, you know, uh, Bristol and the surrounding areas, the area that I know best, uh, you know, we are seeing rents that are just going through the roof. And mortgages to support those rents are very easily available. You know, I, I know of situations of, of a four-bedroom house that four or five years ago was £1,100 a month. That exact same house is now 1700 and there was a battle to get that at that price. You know, they, they possibly could have got even more because there was such a demand for it. And on the opposite end, you've got lenders that are lending at the lowest, the lowest interest costs at the moment. And landlords probably are seemingly seen as less risk. They're less risk than a, a you know, a, a normal person buying their own property because it's more of a business decision. And I have to say, it's much less regulated. And what about the way that you know your your sector, your line of business has evolved, has changed? The most significant change in what you do. What would you say that's been? In terms of lending, gosh, that's a, that's a difficult one. I would say. Uh, I think I think everybody all round has been a bit creative, or they've had to be a bit creative to keep things going so you know traditionally you know back in the the 80s and the 90s lenders would have you know looked at three times salary and that's what they would have you know that's what they would have lent and it would have got someone a very decent house um at you know at, at a much lower uh, lower price than it would have been now um and if you compare that to now we have lenders that generally would lend four and a half up to six times salary depending on the circumstances to get exactly the same thing um because you know the, the the difference between salary and house prices over the last 30 40 years has, has just dramatically increased um and that's where yeah i would say that's where the the main element of change has been because if it hadn't been the the well the housing market wouldn't work i think we should end on this um you may have seen the story where tsb recently downvalued a property that was about a million and a half and of course this caused no end of issues i mean how much of a problem is this the the valuers have to be independent to the lender and the lender has to take what the valuer says so where in that particular scenario the um uh, the borrower is seeing that as the you know the bank has downvalued my house mm. the reality is that the 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 valuer has to be instructed independent from the lender to produce the valuation. And of course, people in those in those professions having you know insurances to cover the work that they do, they are seeing a market that is you know totally, totally hot and are worried that if they overvalue a property, they potentially are putting themselves liable for when markets change and things might start going the other way so something that something that we are seeing uh, in numerous cases particularly with more conservative lending is that um is that uh, valuers and again they are independent to the lenders valuers are down valuing property quite often because i think they they are seeing that there is some question as to how long this will go on for 
Before we let you go, um, uh, the, the website uh, for your for your business, Sam. Where can people uh, get in touch and, and find out more? Well, we've got we've really got two brands. We've got Manning G Investments, which is the IFA business, um, and that website is mgi-ifa.co.uk. Our mortgage and lending side is mgi-mortgages.co.uk as well, and we've got uh, brokers from Bristol, down down the M4 into South Wales uh, as well. So uh, yeah, that's that's where we are. Wonderful. Great to talk to you. Thanks so much for your time, Sam. Thank you very much, John. Nice to hear you. Take care. For me, the idea of conforming sounds very unexciting. People are really beginning to understand how beautiful this county is. I'm going to be really controversial, JP. I have to agree with her. You're with The Right Move. Now, this is quite a big story about uh, Zoopla, isn't it, Samoa? And, and especially sad if if you work for them over here. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, I know a few people that work for Zoopla because I um, I do, I, I, they are a supplier to me, obviously. Mm. Um, not only, actually, as a portal, you'd be surprised how much the Zoopla, the group, actually... Um, has fingers in pies across the whole of the you know behind the scenes in the state agency mm. for example my crm package is owned by zoopla um and it you know it's a zoopla product my own website is built by zoopla uh, so there's a lot um of zoopla product that the public don't see um i don't know what this is going to be affecting because it's a very new announcement and we'll, we'll keep as you said we'll keep tabs on it um, but out of respect to their affected colleagues, they wanted to be transparent and go public with this announcement today, which I think is pretty commendable, really, for a, mm. for a, a company that is at the sharp end of um, of tech and who will probably get plenty of the other portals making a big name, a big thing of it. Zoopla is not the only portal out there, of course. It's probably the number two portal. I've been quite open about how Zoopla operates for me. And I, I would say I get more of my lettings inquiries through the Zoopla portal mm. than sales. Uh, mainly my, my sales come through other portals, you know, and let's not beat about the bush. You know, the, 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 the key portal that everybody goes to is right move. Um, and, you know, sadly we have had over the last couple of years, this drive by agents to, challenge right move and i've i've challenged right move myself in fact only in the last two weeks have i challenged right move over their pricing mm. uh, and you know that's a whole other story which um <laughs> you know i'll talk about another time yeah, but yeah. it's very raw and there is almost this cartel that is out there with with one supplier that holds a gun to every agent's head and the fact that zoopla haven't been able potentially i mean i don't know but i'm guessing this is uh, as a result of being unable to challenge the bigger portal above them but it makes me fear as well jp do you know what for the likes of booming for the likes of on the market mm. uh, for the likes of prime location you know all these other portals that are all vying for the same business yeah and yeah. um you know every one of them does something differently you know we heard from kenny um sporting ken last <laughs> uh few few um podcasts ago 
and you know i love ken and i love him to bits he's got a great product i really think booming is is going to be good but i haven't signed up to it because it's not there yet yeah. and i've been open and honest about that and i'm sure that at some point in the future that product will be honed to be mm. a key player out there the likes of on the market there it's 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 about the investment that they can have um you know and that's a regeneration of investment from uh, what they charge advertisers for the portal and what can be reinvested back and clearly you know right move are the ones that can do that um zoopla yeah i'm surprised at this i really am but you know as i say it's not just the portal that is their only product you know they do have yeah. a lot of yeah. product behind the scenes yeah well obviously uh, not to be insensitive and and make this just about buyers and sellers because obviously there are some people's uh, jobs their livelihoods at stake so you know we'll, we'll keep a, a diplomatic eye over this now second homes holiday ho- homes call them what you will it, it seems that whitby council uh, have t- kind of taken the bull by the horns in a way yeah they have and um am i surprised i don't know i think like i said at the head of the show we you know we i've got somebody a landlord of mine a landlord client of mine who was talking about his own holiday home in wales and where they're looking at other parts of the country and i'm not sure if he was particularly referring to where his holiday home is but we were certainly talking about various places about this a few weeks ago in fact council tax is being quadrupled for second homes mm. um you know years ago if you had a second home uh, in some of these uh, seaside resorts you'd be able to get a, a deduction or a reduction let's say um for you know perhaps just pay 25 percent of the annual bill because you're actually going to be benefiting the economy but i think a lot of these um councils around um around the seaside resorts think that you're not benefiting the economy by by going there as a second homeowner but you know i i would say you are because most people with a second home would go and shop in the local supermarket mm-hmm. rather than take the food with them they would certainly go out and enjoy you know the the touristy parts of it you're not just going there to sit in the garden all weekend because what would be the point and so i think it's a shame but it's not unexpected yeah i don't i don't want to be this sort of massive uh, uh, cliche or or kind of perpetuate stereotypes about councillors but i guess part of you is, is naturally going to wonder how you know business minded how entrepreneurial uh, they are anyway we're going to um, get some some reaction somebody that knows that area extremely well they've been doing business trade in that that coastal town for a long long time um, uh, shoreline uh, cottages um, shoreline whitby so we'll uh, hear the reaction of the md actually of, of shoreline who is david haycox well there are two elements to our business actually a little bit different to some agencies um, number one the classic we do um, rent out we market the properties and uh, manage all the bookings and uh, and the guests arriving and so on but the other element of our business is that unlike others we also manage the uh, property in, in in the fullest sense for the owner in that we uh, deal with all the, their uh, services like laundry cleaning uh, any complaints maybe that they have um, all those kind of issues which often with the larger agencies they pass them off somewhere but so we've got the two elements of our business 
Now, something that we have talked about, we referred to a couple of times on the last couple of podcast episodes, is this idea of um, investing in coastal properties, holiday homes, second homes, call them what you will. We're obviously seeing this fascinating development, fascinating for, for some, I guess, in Whitby, where the council have uh, have, have had this vote, which I, I'm not quite sure if I'm right in saying that's not legally binding at the moment, but there's this idea that they're going to, or they want to limit the number of second homes that can be purchased in Whitby. How, how do you feel about that? Will, will there be an impact, uh, David? What's your sort of stance on that? Well, I'll be really honest with you. I'm, it may come as a surprise, but I'm relatively supportive of the whole concept. First of all, let me talk about new builds, because for me, new build housing estates are really inappropriate for holidays. Um, if, you, if you put a holiday maker having fun, uh, probably sitting out in a barbecue till 10 o'clock every night, next door to somebody who has to get up for a shift on a fishing boat or, or, or to be up to clean the hotel or something, there's an obvious incompatibility there. You know, over the years, the town, without any doubt, has been overtaken by tourism. I'll come back to that as a good thing, but the upshot of it is that there are less and less available properties for the local residents to to, to choose. And actually, I, I do feel that these um, new estates should be given over to, to them and should be not part of, uh, of, of the holiday option. I mean, we do have many, 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 many properties now in Whitby that um, um, are up for rental. In fact, I would even go so far as to say possibly too many. The services that go behind them, like parking is a, an absolute classic, uh, which anybody that goes to Whitby knows is a problem. The uh, restaurants can be over full in the peak periods. It's like a tin of sardines. Some days when you're walking around the town in the busiest moment when all the day trippers are there as well as the residents. And, and I think that the town is getting to that point of bursting when it's full. I mean, it was particularly the case with staycation mania, as I call it, last year when nobody could go abroad. Um, and it has calmed down quite a bit this year. So I suppose, in general, uh, what I'm, I'm trying to say is that, that, that I do believe a balance is required and everything and its ant has turned into a holiday let over the last year and 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 i think it's 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 getting a little silly if i'm honest I'd, I'd very much take your point about that sort of, shall we say, pedestrian congestion euphemistically, because I can I can recall very vividly standing on one side of the swing bridge in Whitby, and you feel like you're coming out of a, a huge concert <laughs> to be able to get to the other side. Exactly, and in fact, they've tried to overcome this by closing the swing bridge to traffic at the weekends because there's literally so much pedestrian traffic that the cars are impossible. So now, you know, you have to go all the way around the top of the town. Now, if that if there isn't a clear indicator that the town's too busy, um, that you have to close the, the you know, roads in, uh, and cause chaos in the centre, you know, you've got to look no further than that to see the evidence. Stupid as it may sound, we've actually had to buy our maintenance manager an electric bike. He cannot get his van around. Oh, wow, goodness me. Uh, so, you know, it's got a, a mini-me toolbox and an electric bike to get around the town to do any, any essential repairs. And, and, and you cannot get tradesmen now in the busy part of town to work there probably most of the time, let mm. alone at week. So the whole place is creaking. Um, 
And whilst I'm sure uh, that some of the fish and chip shops would love queues right down the street uh, and, and so on, I think there is a point where if you're local, it, it's a little bit too much. And, and I, I don't think with new bills particularly to say, um, you know, we can't, we're going to put a covenant of some sort on them to prevent them being turned into holiday nets. I think it's kind of the right thing to do, if I'm really honest mm. with you. Well, it, it sounds like that creaking is, is, is being assuaged somewhat by Shoreline applying, applying some uh, WD-40 in certain places, which is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it, fascinating to hear that you're broadly supportive of Whitby Council effectively getting your vote. It's been uh, great to hear from you. We hope that all of these things you know, develop in the right way because Whitby is such a, a, a magical and wonderful place and, and long may its success continue. David, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you very much indeed. That's very interesting. Um, thank you, David, from uh, Shoreline. And their site is shoreline-cottages.com. Shoreline-cottages.com. If anybody knows the market around there, uh, it's them, Simo. Yeah, 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 exactly. Kind of funny, I thought, uh, that earlier in this episode, Simo, you said, and I quote, I don't have a crystal ball, but actually, in your persona of mystic Simo, peering into the future on all sorts of things, celebrity, sport, business, you name it, you kind of do, so... Bring out said crystal ball because I'd like. Yeah, but it started off all right, and then we kind of had a bit of a dip, didn't well, we? So yeah, um... you, but but you can't. It's like the bookies, isn't it? I mean, you like to think the house always wins, the bookie always wins, but sometimes the punter gets lucky. You know, sometimes the odds are broken, as it were. But anyway, um, I, I, I think... don't know what the odds are going to be on today's. <laughs> you can... No, we need them. This is an absolute peach. Now. <laughs> The um, I I think the 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 showbiz the entertainment story of of the week uh, certainly the week so far at the very least could be the year is that and I've forgotten these two are married Rupert Murdoch who's well into his nineties and Mick Jagger's ex Jerry Hall who's about sixty five I think so a spring chicken compared to old Rupert they're going to get divorced they're going their separate ways apparently or they may already be divorced. So, so Rupert's coming back onto the the singles market. So Mystic Simo, when uh, now that's happening, and uh, he's looking for another partner, who's he going to get with? Well, purely from the finances, I'll offer up my wife. Um, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> if it if it means we cop for Rupert Murdoch's millions, um, uh, but no. Um, I reckon I've got one to pull out the uh, air here. Have you? Okay, all right. Let's hear it. You know, it's funny. I saw, I saw it in pantomime at uh, the Bristol Hippodrome yeah. at Christmas, and I reckon. Do you know what? I reckon it could be Leslie Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, it could be. <laughs> Dorian Where's from my... Birds of a Feather. <laughs> well, I, I suppose without being unkind, she would be. Yeah, 
close-ish, closer to his age than Jerry Hall. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. One doesn't How old want to be unkind she? to her. How old is she? She's in her seventies, isn't she? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, that's. Uh, I you know. I think that's a good shout and a really strong possibility that could happen. So good prediction, Mr. Simo. I, I personally would have gone for uh, Jane McDonald. <laughs> so she could take him on a cruise yes yes yeah fresh from her uh, voice like a slipping clutch tour <laughs> oh, well dear. don't don't tag her in this when we put it out i certainly will i think yeah i i think from all your predictions uh probably bar the first ever one this has got a really strong possibility of coming through. So, uh, so nice one. We must, of course, uh, must thank our, our, our guest as well, our main guest. Well, guests in the plural. Yeah, indeed. You know, really good to have Sam on because uh, you know, I, I say I've known Sam, and uh, you know, like we said, fresh from his debut on the Beeb. Yes, I know he'll be wanting royalty payments next. You watch, what, like you. They'll have to, yeah, they'll have to be a that marketing budget we've been talking about. It'll have to happen. The old, yeah, the old blankety-blank checkbook and pen. <laughs> That'll have to come out. And also David as well. Uh, David Haycox, the MD of Shoreline Cottages. It, great to get such a, you know, an experienced insider kind of view on, on trading up there and, and, and what's, what may well happen with second properties, holiday homes, etc. So that, that was really, really useful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a scream, JP, as ever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we shall. Uh... I think if you woke up next to Rupert Murdoch, it would be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I I wouldn't get that uh, image out of my head. There you go. Uh, so uh, no doubt we will uh, <laughs> speak again soon. Yeah, <laughs> on that rather unsavoury note, let's reconvene in a month's time. Cheers, Simo. 10-4 JP. Selling, Selling. Buying. Buying. Investing. Investing. Are you making the right move?